So how did I do? We'll find out next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Let's see for Anthony Wait for it. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got it. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler. The five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. season is over. You and I know. It's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Has Jim Harbaugh signed that extension yet? Is he experiencing the greatness of the Raiders? Uh, we don't know. So we'll let that uh, drama, that melodrama play out on its own as a subplot off to the side. On this week's episode, we're going to look back on my 2021 college football preview, specifically the crystal ball section when I make 25 predictions of things that I think will or won't happen in the upcoming college football season. This is usually written sometime in late June, early July. So uh, these were written what now? Uh, We're going on seven months ago uh, that these were written. And it's always fun to look back, or maybe in my case, uh, when people are laughing at you, not so much fun uh, to look back on how you thought and what you thought before the season and then whether or not you were on track with how things ultimately played out. So we're going to look briefly at those 25 things and then either cringe or cringe. Let us begin. Um, So far in the playoff era, we haven't had too many upsets on conference championship weekend that changed the fortunes of who was or wasn't invited to the Final Four. This season will be the first time we will have multiple upsets that weekend. That shakes up the invite list. It didn't happen. We had one, Alabama beating Georgia, which put Alabama into the playoff as opposed to having a second loss when they would have been out. But that was that was it. I guess Oregon was technically favored over Utah in the rematch, but um, 
Oregon wasn't a factor in the college football playoff race at that point. So that one did not come true. Number two, as a result, for the first time, more than one team that didn't win its own conference will be invited to the playoff. That didn't happen. Georgia was the only team that didn't win its conference that was invited to the playoff and then, of course, went out and did the thing. So there you go. Number three, Nick Saban will finally lose a game to a former assistant. There's one right. In fact, he lost two. He lost to Jimbo Fisher in College Station, uh, and then he lost to Georgia uh, and Kirby Smart in the national championship game. So we got that one right. Number four, after losing four games in a season only once between 1969 and 2001, Nebraska will lose at least four games for the 18th straight season. I would love to jump in the DeLorean and go back and tell my 1995 self, Nebraska's going to lose four games or more 18 years in a row. I would never have believed it, but that one also came true. In fact, Nebraska lost nine games this past season. So there's two we got right. Number five, it will be announced the expansion of the 12-team playoff will begin in 2023. Boy, it looked for a long time like this one was going to turn out to be true. And now it is not. So we got that one wrong. Number six, USC will finally move on from Clay Helton and he will be replaced by Penn State coach James Franklin. I got that one half right. Clay Helton was fired, so we're at two and a half. Of course, James Franklin was not the hire Lincoln Riley was. Number seven, this will be Jim Harbaugh's final season at Michigan. It might be. He's currently the betting favorite in Vegas to be the next Las Vegas Raiders coach. So who knows? That one, I think, is an incomplete. We don't know that one yet. Number eight, Iowa State's Matt Campbell will choose between coaching next in the NFL, Penn State, or Michigan. This one we don't know. I think he's absolutely a candidate at Michigan if Harbaugh moves on, and there's been talk about him interviewing with the Minnesota Vikings. So I think this one right now may be an incomplete as well. Number nine, Michigan, Penn State, and USC will be joined by Nebraska and LSU, five of the top ten programs in the history of the sport, to create arguably the greatest coaching carousel of all time. Now I'm going to give myself a half a point on this, even though Nebraska should have made a move and did not. Penn State didn't have to make a move because Franklin stayed, and we don't know yet what Michigan will do. But how about me calling LSU when no one was making that call in the preseason? So I'm going to give myself a half a point on that one. That gives me three points so far. Number 10, LSU will move on from Ed Orgeron for off-field reasons and replace him with Louisiana coach Billy Napier. I got a half point there, three and a half. I even got Billy Napier going to the SEC just with a different team. Number 11, Nebraska will hire Hugh Freeze away from Liberty as its new head coach. Oh, they should have listened to me, but they they did not. So I got that one wrong. Auburn will lose at least four games for the 14th time in the last 16 years. That's another crazy stat, by the way, especially when you consider the other two years, guys, that they didn't, they didn't lose at least four games. They either um, uh, played for the national championship in 2013 or won the national championship in 2010. That's nuts. That's a, that's a crazy amount of variance for one college program. But I got that one right, so that's four. Number 13, Alabama-Clemson will meet in the national championship game for the fourth time. Thank the maker. I got that one wrong. 14, Iowa will announce offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz as its head coach in waiting whenever his father, Kirk Ferentz, decides to retire. That not only did not happen, but Ferentz now has a contract extension, I think, for another five years or further, actually. It's 2029. All right. 
I, I can't believe he would fulfill that, but we are talking about Kirk Ferentz. Uh, number 15, with the new explained, expanded playoff format on the way and the fact that he's coaching in a major market profitable for players maximizing NIL, Luke Fickle elects to stay at Cincinnati and doesn't take any Power 5 coaching jobs. Now, this was well before Cincinnati was invited into the Big 12. So I got that one right. I believe that's at five of them now, or is it four? I'm giving you uh, half credit on the uh, Alabama-Clemson thing. Because so Alabama made it? five. Okay, yeah. all right. So that's the voice of our producer, Aaron. Is that the first time your voice has ever been heard nope. on a Michigan podcast? Nope, we did a DraftKings advertisement one time. But it is the second time. All right. I'm keeping count. So there you go. The voice from on high. Number 16, BYU will suffer the largest single-season win decline from a year ago. This did not happen. Uh, in fact, phenomenal job by Kalani Sataki and that Cougar program. They lost more production than any major college football program did from 2020 to 2021. And when you consider it was a COVID year, it's not easy to develop your youth and depth for the next season because you're trying to keep guys that aren't playing away from the guys that are so they don't get infected and uh, and and stymie your team. I mean, for them to bounce back, I know the bowl game was disappointing against UAB, but to, to bounce back and be ranked still in the top 25 most of this season, and I mean, you I think played half the damn Pac-12. That's a hell of a job by BYU there, but I was wrong. Number 17, Ohio will send Frank Solich out with a bang, finally winning its first MAC title since 1968 in his final season. Actually, a week after this was published, Frank Solich stepped down as Ohio coach um, for health reasons, so this one was wrong. Number 18, the Heisman Trophy finalists will be in alphabetical order. JT Daniels, Georgia, wrong. Brees Hall, Iowa State, wrong. Sam Howell, North Carolina, had a losing record. Wrong. Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma benched. Wrong. (laughs) It's not good. Those weren't even close. JT Daniels benched, injured, didn't play. Not good. Not good. That one was way off. Number 19. Number 20. That's wrong. Uh, The results of the top five September non-conference games will be Georgia over Clemson. I got that one right. Ohio State over Oregon, wrong. Wisconsin over Notre Dame, right. Alabama over Miami, right. Iowa State over Iowa, wrong. You missed, sorry, I'm interjecting. Notre Dame beat Wisconsin. Oh, you're right. Notre Dame did beat Wisconsin, badly, in fact. So, yes, no soup for me on this one. I was wrong. Thank you. Should have not set the precedent that Aaron can talk on this show now. (laughs) Number 21, Iowa, Texas, and Auburn will start the season in the top 25, but won't finish there. I got two of the three, right? So I'm going to give myself a half point there, five and a half. Number 22, Utah, Liberty, and TCU won't start the season in the top 25, but will finish there. I went one for three there, so that's not good enough. Number 23, the following first-year coaches will lead their teams to bowl games this season. Andy Avalos, Boise State, correct. Brett Bielema, Illinois, wrong. Will Hall, Southern Miss, wrong. Brian Harson, Auburn, Auburn, correct. Charlie Huff, Marshall, correct. Maurice Linguist at Buffalo, correct. Gus Malzahn at Central Florida, correct. Steve Sarkeesian at Wisconsin, wrong. But I'm going to give myself half a point there for getting close. Uh, so I'm going to get, what's that, five and a half, I think, right now? Yeah. Or is it six? We're at six. six yeah. All right. Uh, and then liquidate these teams that will be demonstrably worse than last season. And I couldn't use a win total because of how COVID impacted the number of games in 2020. So BYU, wrong. Colorado, correct. Northwestern, correct. Stanford, correct giving myself a half point there for getting three out of four. So that's six and a half points. And then number 25, invest in these teams that will be demonstrably better than they were last season. 
Cal, wrong. LSU, wrong. Penn State, I don't know, is seven and six that much better than four and five? I'm going to say wrong. Wisconsin, I'll say four and four to nine and four. That's demonstrably better, but that's one out of four, not good. So we ended up with six and a half out of the 25 correct, but, but there are two remaining, and they might even be interconnected. If one happens, then so might the other. So we will now find out from our good friend Mark Rogers in a few minutes what he thought of my crystal ball, which sees through a mirror darkly, obviously. But before we get there, let me tell you again about our friends over at DraftKings. We are on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers counting down to Super Bowl 56. You can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get $280 back in free bets if your team wins. All right, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now to take advantage of this awesome opportunity and use the promo code MICHIGANPOD. Again, the promo code is Michigan Podcast, and you're going to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Like you just bet five bucks, and if you win, that's 280 bucks back to you in free bets with the promo code Michigan Podcast at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And remember, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 800-270-7117, 21 and older, Michigan only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Time now for the 10-minute war, and we bring in for that perhaps the world's one and only reasonable Bucknut. And there he is, wearing blue. Doesn't he look good? Different shade, but same color. <laughs> it's our good friend Mark Rogers. Check out his YouTube page. It's phenomenal year-round college football information on the voice of college football. And this is really these next few months, by the way. This is really when you can you can learn some information ahead of the curve and ahead of the markets that help you make money when those preseason uh, bets uh, open up. Right now, you can already bet for the national championship, for example. First bet I made last year was Georgia 10-1 to to win the national championship. Obviously, that paid off. I've already bet Georgia and Alabama at 325 plus 325 to win the national championship. I bet uh, Michigan at Texas a and Texas a and at plus 2,000 to win the national championship. And Ohio State, I think I got at plus 700, I want to say. Those are the bets I've already made for 2022. But, Mark, good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm wearing my Kentucky blue to set the record straight. <laughs> uh, but also, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe that uh, you're letting your, your viewers know that you put a few bucks on the Buckeyes. I'm into money, brother. I, I like winning. That's what I like. I bet the Buckeyes win the national championship this year, too. In fact, I figured out with the odds, I mean, there was about 97% odds that Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio State was going to win the whole thing, right? Okay. So how much do I have to bet with the odds on all of them to make sure that I, I make a profit? And I did yeah. all that math, and I bet this, that amount of money on each of those teams accordingly. So before we get into my crystal ball, though, and who knows, I mean, this is an ongoing developing story. We might have some kind of resolution by the time this shows up on YouTube tonight or people watch it here the next few days. But uh, Jim Harbaugh has moved into the lead in Vegas, uh, two to one now, to be the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And you can kind of see the way p- things are lining up, why people think that they got rid of the GM. Uh, Mike Mayock, but not the coach. Um, and so you clear the way for Harbaugh to hire his own GM. 
if he wants to name his GM. Furthermore, you keep the coach, but they have done one coaching interview, and it's a minority, Gerard Mayo at, in New England. So you check that to the, the Rooney box, right? And then you negotiate with Harbaugh, and if you can get him to come, great. If not, you keep the interim coach that everybody loves, uh, and you move on. And, and oh, by the way, one of Jim's best friends in coaching, Vic Fangio, uh, who he won a ton of games with at Stanford and the 49ers as a defensive coordinator. He was the coach of the Broncos. He's suddenly available. You can see stars are aligning here, and yet we've got all kinds of photos and everything else of Harbaugh's doing recruiting all over the country right now. What's your read of this story? He succeeded in the NFL before. I think that uh, if he's if he is concerned about his legacy, if he's concerned about – Uh, setting himself up for success and not necessarily just going to grab a paycheck. And I think he's positioned himself in terms of his career and hopefully his finances, I would think, to make uh, a wise decision and go for the better job, the better long-term job and not just a cash grab. I would think that the most important topic that he would have to determine in his mind is where this Michigan football program is, where it can be, what he can do with it, where the ceiling is based on what he saw on the field on New Year's Eve and what he projects forward. And maybe he believes that he has done his good deed at Michigan. He took over the program. He's leaving it in a much better place. And he has been a Michigan man. And he checked off the box of beating Ohio State, winning a Big Ten championship and putting this program in a much better place but doesn't necessarily feel that it's it's likely that uh, the program can continue to ascend. And, uh, of course, uh, look at his work at San Francisco. He probably feels confident that, unlike most, most college coaches, that he knows the NFL game, he knows how to win uh, at the next level, that let's take on the next challenge. So, gun to your head, a week from now, where is Jim Harbaugh coaching football, do you think? Uh, gun to my head, he's still at Michigan. Okay. Well, let's talk. Let's now take a look back. So, my crystal ball has been a key component of my college football preview every year. Uh, it is where I try to make 25 predictions of things that I think will or won't happen uh, in the upcoming season. These get written in mid to late June, published in early to mid July. And uh, and and by our account, we just did the whole rundown right before you came on. I know you've had a chance to refresh your memory on that as well. Uh, We have two incompletes because we don't know for certain yet that this isn't Harbaugh's final season. And therefore, I think you have to give an incomplete on what happens with Matt Campbell. Plus, there's word he's interviewing for NFL jobs because that could be um, a a domino effect. I, I, I think that if Jim moves on, one of these four guys will be the next Michigan coach. Uh, Bill O'Brien, Matt Campbell, Dave Aranda, or Mike Hart. I think one of those four guys will be the next Michigan coach if Jim moves on. So we, so now we're down to 23. Of those 23, if you look at the ones I got fully right and partially right, I gave myself credit for six and a half out of 23. All right? What stood out to you the most, both good and bad, looking back on my crystal ball? Oh, looking back on your crystal ball. Well, I know that we talked about it being the most difficult season that you've had to project because of 2020 being mm-hmm. such an outlier. Um, I, I was actually prepared to talk about some of my misses and some of my makes uh, because I thought the season was was rather difficult for me to project from a long range standpoint. Uh, I had my worst uh 
season predicting preseason for the you know the the record results. I only picked two of the ten conference championship game participants, where the two previous years I was fifteen out of twenty. Wow! In predicting those teams, and only two out of ten this year, and that was George Alabama. They were the layups. And I did pick them to go to the national championship game and play. So I hit those two out of four. And uh, unfortunately, Ohio State and Notre Dame didn't make it. But I feel pretty good about them being right in the range of a playoff. So I didn't do too badly there. But um, um, <laughs> I got Georgia. I got Georgia, Alabama, right? Everybody got that right. I got Utah and Oregon, right? Actually, I was very, very high on Utah. Um, they were 15 to one to win the Pac-12. Uh, our family's going to Universal Studios in a month, and that trip's almost entirely paid for by by winning the Utah 15-1 to 1 to win the Pac-12 championship futures bet. So I got that one right. I wasn't close in the ACC without Clemson like everybody else. Um, I got neither one of the teams right uh, in the Big Ten. I had Ohio State and Wisconsin. Uh, so, And I only do the Power Five. Now, the previous year, even with all the uh, the tumult of COVID, I got a lot right that year. Um, but I think we learned with the way this season played out that the available data set that we had on these teams heading into this season, which was largely built off of what they did during the COVID year, it just wasn't applicable, frankly. It just didn't matter. Yeah. So Utah and Oregon, that was the, um, that was the, the, the smart pick. That was the wise pick. That was the probability pick. I bought into a lot of the the Washington coming off a three and one season, which they beat Oregon. They only played the four games, but they beat Oregon head to head. And I and I bought into the Jimmy Lake and Washington narrative that a lot of people did as a preseason top twenty five, and that would be my most embarrassing jump of uh, the twenty twenty one prediction. Ledger, North Carolina fooled me. Iowa State fooled yep. me. I didn't. North pick Carolina them to and have, Iowa State fooled me as well. Yeah. I didn't pick them to have like crazy, amazing years, but to get to the conference championship games uh, as well. Mark, we um, had four teams know, this year, Mark, that were unranked in the preseason, finishing the AP top 10. That had never happened before since they started the preseason poll. Four of them. Now we've had, in, in, the average is two to three teams a year in the, in the AP top 10 don't finish ranked. That's kind of the average, but we have never had four teams finish finish from unranked to AP top 10. We had four of them, Michigan, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and I'm forgetting Michigan State. Those were the four teams unranked in the preseason, all finished in the top 10. Steve, what I think this season, uh, playing forward to 22, that uh, really could uh, be a change in college football in regards to what we grew up with, a Pac-12 that was a strong conference, that was arguably the best conference in college football many years throughout the 80s and 90s, had a historic we, – we knew that the conference was tailing off and has been in decline for about five years, but I'm just starting to go through some metrics with the Pac-12 uh, to do my conference uh, ratings and rankings uh, looking back at the results from 21 – and this was a historically bad season for the Pac-12. If this trend continues, uh, they I may even rank them below the American Conference and the Mountain West. Uh, I've yet to do those numbers. But this league went 2-16 and 16 against the Power Five wow. and BYU and Notre Dame. Uh, this league only went 7-6 and six against group of five conference teams. And yet one of those wins and was only... on the road against Ohio State of all places. That's that's just odd. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and – 
and and that was the that was the one game, the one win that kept this conference somewhat in the discussion, uh, and kept college football alive west of Oklahoma and Texas for the entire most of the entirety of the season. Uh, but outside of that outlier, the Pac-12 would have been in complete oblivion, only beating three top fifty teams, uh, Fresno State and LSU. Uh, squeaked into my top 50 rankings. So this was a historically bad year for the Pac-12, obviously trending down before now, but where does it go from here? And and we could see a kind of a shift in structure of of the Power Five here. If, if this continues and they can't start to recruit, of course, Lincoln Riley brings some hope to USC. Did you have any thoughts before we let you go on the refurbished uh, Big Ten schedule that was announced last week? Because what what I saw was, unless there's a head coaching change here, Michigan should win at least 10 games just by showing up. I thought it was the, to me, I think that's the easiest schedule I can remember Michigan playing in my lifetime as a fan, going back to 1983. Yeah, I'm not thinking the Michigan's schedule off the top of my head in regards to what was changed. I know the Michigan State game is now at home, correct? So they so they start off with, I think it's U, it's Hawaii, UConn, and Colorado State. Well, and then yeah. and then Maryland again the four home games to open the year like what happened this year, they go on the road to Iowa. You know that'll be a night game. That's never easy, but they get Michigan State reversed to at home with Penn State back to back, but with a bye week in between. The games leading up to um, Ohio State are Rutgers, Illinois, and Nebraska. Almost like the Big Ten's like, hey, let's get this team as healthy as possible for, you know, the meal ticket game here at the end of the year. I mean, I. It's one of the few times I can remember that I looked at Michigan and Ohio State's schedule and I thought, wow, our schedule's a lot easier and softer than theirs. I don't think that most years. The Big Ten is starting to look, and of course there's a different commissioner in place, looking more nationally to prop up its uh, best uh, candidates for the college football playoff, both from the standpoint of uh, the 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 approach to the the playoff expansion and those talks and trying to position itself in the best possible manner and then also the scheduling route to to give those those hints of an advantage to an Ohio State or Michigan or uh, some of the other teams uh, that are should be near the top. Another strange thing, and we're going to get into this on Bigger Ten tomorrow. You know, there's been this trend that if you want to upset Wisconsin in the West be the team that doesn't have to play two of the big three in the East, you know, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, right? This year, only everybody in the West doesn't do that except for Iowa and Northwestern. Iowa and Northwestern are the only two teams that play two of those big three. Everybody else only has to play one. That's kind of odd. I think Iowa's been affected more by scheduling than any team in the last few years in the Big Ten, and um, I don't know that the Hawkeyes can keep up with their their 10-win season of last year because, yeah, they, they had the most favorable Eastern Division schedule with Indiana not being the team we expected them to be, Maryland, and, you know, they got a Penn State without Sean Clifford in the second half, of course, in winning that game late. Uh, and now they turn around and they've got Ohio State and Michigan and um, Iowa, a very strange situation in regards to their approach to building a program. And it's been very successful from a conservative stability standpoint. But, hey, we're in changing times and I'm I'm thinking quarterback is needed in Iowa City. You've got programs across the country that are in much better shape from a quarterbacking standpoint and they're still pursuing quarterbacks. But Iowa, 
with uh, Spencer Petras and um, Alex Padilla rated below the 100 line as quarterbacks in the country still don't go out and get a quarterback. Hmm. Mark, good stuff as always, man. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, take care. Appreciate it, Steve. You bet. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you which word best describes your expectations for the rest of the Michigan basketball season. 69.9% of you said rejection. That would be where I would vote. 30.1% rebound. It, it is a good thing for the basketball program that the football team has had this kind of success and now this ongoing drama. Otherwise, there would be a lot of hand-wringing about what is the most disappointing team in all of college basketball this year. Preseason number six, rated as high as number four, sitting right now at 500 with, I think, very little hopes of making the NCAA tournament a roster that uh, just looks like a collection of recruiting profiles but isn't really a team, doesn't really have a wing, um, and the one wing it does have, it's trying to play at the point. Uh, it, it's just, it's it's a mess right now. And uh, we love Juwan Howard here, but he's learning a harsh lesson in the art of roster construction as a still gaining experience head coach. That brings us to our feedback of the week from N. Jankowski, who says for basketball right now, it's just about getting better. This could go like a 2014-15, where it was a mess with some injury excuses, or 2015-2016, where they sneak into the tournament and can be slightly dangerous. That was the uh, Derek Walton, Zach Irvin team. Uh, The focus from here on, though, is just to improve. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean... We're, in, we're heading into the game tonight against Maryland. We're in 10th place in the Big Ten, a league that we we dominated last year, really. Um, so just a disappointing basketball season, no doubt about it. That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, share, subscribe, five-star review, whichever you can do on however you watch or listen, whether that's right here on YouTube or any of the podcasting services each and every week. Please help us to find more Michigan sports fans just like you. And also, remember, you can keep up to date on what we think about all things maize and blue by following us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast. Again, at Michigan Podcast on Twitter. Until the next episode, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.